You are listening to a sermon from Emmaus Church LCMS. For more information, please go to www.emmauspasco.org. Abundant grace and mercy and peace are yours today in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. God's word is filled with wonderful words of comfort, hope, hard life to us. But God's word also has challenging words as part of it. And I'm going to focus on what I find some challenging words from the Apostle Paul today in our epistle lesson. You might want to have 1 Corinthians 3 open there for you because we'll be looking at it. So last week we were in 1 Corinthians 2, and we heard Paul talking about, I presented to you Christ and him crucified. That was my, my focus. Crucified and, and risen is implied in that message. And when we come here, there's a, there's a kind of a tone of, of censure a little bit, censure and disappointment in the Corinthians. And what he's going to do is he gives kind of a diagnosis, his diagnosis of their, their, their spiritual condition, spiritual maturity, spiritual health. He's going to contrast life in the spirit versus life in the flesh, looking at life one way, looking at another way. So, here again, what we heard a few minutes ago, says, I, brothers, brothers and sisters, implied, could, could not address you as, as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. You hear a little bit of disappointment in his voice? There is there. Nobody nods their head in this place. Okay, there, I got a head now. All right, good, thank you. But let, let's think at some implications of this. I, as I meditate on this, I just see just some, some fallout from it, some implications of it. I see three right off the bat. So apparently, uh, spiritual infancy is not the same as the length of time. See, we're used to, you know, infant infants are wonderful little things, and, you know, we love looking at them and holding them. They take a whole lot of effort. You have to do absolutely everything for them. But as, as time goes on, you know, you expect them to take a few steps and start feeding themselves, and, you know, little infants become little boys, little girls, you know, yeah. But this is, seems to be different. I could not address you as spiritual people, as people of the flesh, but as infants, infants 
in Christ, even though time, some time had elapsed with them. So he's kind of disappointed in them for taking, taking the task, if you want to say it that way. So that's one implication. Another implication seems that we are responsible for our maturity or our lack of it. Right? Because he's bringing it to their attention. As if this shouldn't be the way it is. I fed you with milk. Even now, you're not yet ready. You are still of the flesh. He's kind of putting it back in, in their court. This isn't the way I would like it to be, but this is how it is. And so he's implying a, a, a responsibility on their part for their spiritual maturity or, or lack thereof. But a third thing, I think, if we play this out, it's a remedial problem. In other words, there is a, a remedy implied for it. Otherwise, you wouldn't bring their, their attention. Otherwise, you'd just say, well, that's just the way it is in Corinth. But no, there's. I, I think between the lines, there's a, a, a remedy implied. That this, this can be addressed, this can be treated. There's changes possible. So, spiritual growth, spiritual maturity is what I want us to think about for a few minutes. I want to share something I, I found helpful, and so I'm just going to share it with you. Um, three lies about spiritual growth and spiritual maturity, okay? This, this I found helpful. First of all, lie number one is it's not instantaneous. It's not instantaneous. You know, we live in a culture where it's kind of a just-add-water type of thing. You know, everything is available that way or, or microwave it, you know. And so we're, we're used to that, that quick turnaround. Well, we're talking here about habits and attitudes and character. And so it's not instantaneous. But coming, the person coming to faith, that's, that's the beginning of a relationship. And so there's not instant, instant maturity. That's the first lie that's instantaneous. A second lie would be that it's just, just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. So spiritual maturity is just, just a, uh, a, a mere byproduct of, of time. And we kind of talked about that already, that that's not consistent with what, what Paul says. I... I like to draw from time to time, and I don't do it very often, but I have pencils and a sketch pad and stuff like that. And when I look at what I draw, you know what? It looks remarkably like, uncannily like, what I drew in eighth grade. 
why I've never taken any classes other than one Saturday morning for one hour. I remember I, I haven't um, I haven't really applied myself to it other than for one short brief amount of time. Then I gave it up and walked away from it. So it's it's not just a, a matter of of time. It takes time, spiritual maturity, but it's not a product of time. Get the difference. So that's the second lie: is that it's just a um, it's a a time thing. That all all it takes is time. But thirdly. Another lie is that all it takes is effort. Effort. That you, you will it to be so. My life is going to be characterized by love and joy and peace and, and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and goodness and self-control. Yeah. I'm just going to bear down. I could do this. But that's a lie also. Doesn't work that way. You know, Jesus spent time with his disciples, three years with them, day and night. Month in, month out. What's he doing? He's training them. Shaping them. discipling them. The Christian church has 2,000 years of teachings about spiritual disciplines. And that's a whole subject I'd love to get into with you, but I'm just going to refer to them. There's great resources out there with regard to them. I'll just point you toward that. So, some lies. Think about spiritual maturity. <clears throat> Let's think also, so let me ask you this. And again, I'm just sharing something I've, I've just found, found helpful. So I'm going to, but it, it fits in so well, I just want to go with it. Uh, so where are you? You know, you've had thoughts these past few minutes as I'm sharing these things. I want, want you to kind of think about where, where you are. And something in a, in a, in a metaphor I've, I've found helpful as I've talked to people over the years is this. Imagine your soul is a boat and it has oars and it has a sail. So where are you? Are, are, you, are you sailing with the wind in your sails and just flowing along. God is super real to your heart day by day. You often really feel his love. Maybe you're seeing prayers answered. You open the Bible, you're just always discovering new, new fresh things. It's exciting for you. Your prayer life is vital. And you look forward to it. And maybe you sense people are being 
benefited through your through your interaction with it? Are you are you sailing with the the wind in your sail, or are you are you rowing? Are you rowing? You read the Bible and prayer. You go to prayer, but it's more maybe often kind of a, more of a duty than a delight. More of a duty than a delight. And God often, to be honest, kind of seems distant and out there. And your prayer life is so-so. But despite this, you, you keep on. With the Bible, you keep on with prayer. You keep on seeking to reach out in Christian love and serve the Lord where you are, despite kind of the dryness you often feel. Are you sailing? Are you rowing? Are you drifting? Drifting. I like to kayak. Sometimes I'm on the Columbia River, and if I don't do anything, if I just sit there, I know I'm going to end up at the McNary Dam. It's just, just goes. Dryness, uh, drifting is characterized by dryness. And instead of doing those you're doing those things, but um, you're, you're instead of rowing, you're drifting. You're you're really kind of stepping away from those things we talked about, scripture and prayer and things like that. And maybe you don't even feel like approaching God, so you don't read scripture with any regularity or come to Him any prayer. Prayer, and you're drifting toward just call it self indulgence. Are you drifting, or are you sinking? Sinking. Sinking is when you're there's a numbness in your heart, and it's leading toward hardness of heart. Maybe filled with self-pity, kind of resentment, maybe toward God, toward somebody who did you wrong, whatever. And you're really, if some major thing would come up, you can kind of picture yourself just walking away from Christ altogether. There's things where we have no control over in life, but there's also things we do have control over. So that's kind of a, a word picture. Are, are you sailing, rowing, drifting, or sinking? So I'm sharing this because I feel a certain strong feeling on, on Paul's part here in these verses. Kind of a sense of frustration that he expresses, and, and I can certainly apply to my own life. 
I cannot address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, infants in Christ, fed you with milk, not solid food, for you're not ready for it. And even now, you're not yet ready, but you are still of the flesh. Well, as I, I look at this portion of Scripture, I do find some things that are incredibly encouraging to me. I look at the end of the reading where Paul says, we, that's Paul and Apollos and the other people who are writing with him is this letter. He says, we are God's fellow workers. But you, you are God's field. You're God's building. Isn't that great? You hear the gospel in that? You're God's field. You're God's building. You're God's project, if I can say it that way. Let me even shorten it down more. You are God's. God's own son, God's own daughter, God's own kid. You're God's. God's own child. And a, and a field, and I was just talking to the farmer folks, <laughs> you know, um, I just was thinking about that. You know, you're God's field. What's a you know, field needs water, it needs nutrients, it needs sun, it needs caring, it needs weeds being pulled out, things being removed from it, all, all that stuff. This is your God's field, but you are God's. Field. God's field. You belong to him. And you're God's building that, that he's doing. And then verse 7, he says, says, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God. God who gives the growth. God who gives the growth. God gives the growth. Isn't that wonderful? From him. It's through him. And last week we heard what is at the heart and core of it all. I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. We circle back to that. And that's what we keep doing again and again. But the challenge is to make it real. To be really intent on that. Well, what do I mean? Well, we talk about our baptism, but to to reflect on it, to make it real to ourselves, that we, undeserved on our part, have been joined to the Christ, the Son of God, in our baptism, in his death, his burial, his resurrection. That's our story as well, because of God's grace. We call this the, the means of grace. God has done it. And so as we shower, as we wash our face, we can remind ourselves, God has done something. I'm God's project. I'm God's building. I'm God's son. I'm God's goddaughter. We're God's kids. To really take time to reflect on our baptism, and take time then also to really prepare ourselves for, for Holy Communion. 
Now, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, let a person examine himself, examine himself, to do kind of a spiritual inventory. We do that somewhat in our confession, a very brief way there. Confess I've sinned in thought, word, and deed. Thought, word, and deed. Goes by pretty fast, doesn't it? Thought, word, and deed. Wow, what's behind that? My thought life. Ooh, I don't want you to know my thought life. My words, I have a way of cutting people down. And those things I have not done that I know God is calling me to, and on and on, you know, to, to reflect on our neediness and then come to receive Jesus. Jesus, Christ crucified and risen, coming to us, bread and wine. To make it real, take it seriously, to let it go deep. And thirdly, scripture and meditation. I was moved to say something in early service, and I'm not even sure I should repeat it, because I'm not, it's going to sound goofy. But you're used to that by now. It's been three months of goofiness. I'd said to some people, you might be reading too much of the Bible. And what I meant was, you might think, oh, I've got to get through this chapter. I've got to read these two chapters so I can fill in the box. You know, I gave out a little kind of a chart type thing. Well, maybe it, maybe it's too much. Maybe it should be a paragraph that day. Maybe a verse. You know, Luther gives us a wonderful process for this. It's called a simple way to pray. And he says, read something, and then see what it teaches you about God. And then, how does that, what you, God taught you in that verse, lead you to praise God? And then, how does it move you to, what, what does it prompt you to confess to God? And then, what does it prompt you to ask God for? Four little steps. But he says, if something catches fire, go with it. Just stay with that. That's the Holy Spirit, he says. <laughs> so, when I, when I say maybe reading too much scripture, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. I hope you take it as I'm saying it and get the idea. I'm just trying to shake you up a little bit here. So, we, we've got... Scripture, and we've got prayer, and what comes in the middle is meditation. It's taking that scripture and really, really um, working with it. You know, you can ask yourself things like, is there a, a sin to confess? Is there a, a promise to claim? Is there an attitude to change? Is there an example to follow? Is there a commandment to keep? Is there a prayer to pray in it? Is there an error to avoid? 
Is there a truth to believe? What can I give thanks to God for from it? See, you're interacting with it. You're going deep rather than just getting through it. And then it then leads to real prayer, totally honest prayer. And we don't try to impress God. <laughs> and you, God, I don't feel like praying right now. That's a wonderful prayer because it's an honest prayer. That's what he's after. Honest, open relationship. Lord, I've this thing is really worrying me that I'm facing in my life. Or that thing, I can't just, I can't get over it and I need your help. Or I'm really worried about this thing happening at work. Or this thing with my, my family member, I'm really, really concerned, don't know how to go, go act with that. You know, on and on. To be as real as possible in your prayer. Now, often printed prayers can be of great help. Because we're, we're piggybacking on people who have, have deeply reflected on, on something. And they can, there's a treasure full of prayers that we can also just pray about what is on our heart and mind. That you are God's field, you're God's building, you're God's project, you're God's son, you're God's daughter. And it's God who gives the growth. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, these words of Paul to the Corinthians are a bit unsettling for us. Uncomfortable to try on for size. But we thank you that we can read them as your children. For we are all works in progress. And we thank you that you are not finished with us. And we ask that your spirit would teach us, shape us, mold us through your word and, and through each other and through our walk with you. We are thankful for your patience. And we're thankful that you provide what we need. That you are the God who gives the growth we so desperately need. And may it, at the heart of it all, be our precious Savior and friend, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Now that may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, amen. This has been a message from Emmaus Church LCMS. We thank you for listening and we invite you to find out more by visiting our website at www.emmauspasco.org. That's www.emmauspasco.org.